You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. I heard about a man uh, who went shopping with his wife, and she was requesting a leather purse. So it took a lot of persuasion. Okay? Purse swaying. You get that? Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, I share that for the young people that are here today. In the first service of the month, we have uh, kids in the service, and so this is a family service. And so, uh, but I'll just leave it at that because I've learned that when I have pains, I don't have to be one, okay? Yeah, we want to just thank all, everyone that were able to participate last week for the Refuge Life, uh, which is replacing a membership. Uh, that we had in the past. And so we had about 60 people in attendance. It was a great time for us to connect together and hear about the vision and, and see what God's doing uh, among us. And it's, it's uh, just great, I think, to see what God is doing in people's lives. I'm always encouraged when I see God moving in a situation, in a circumstance, and revealing his love and his purpose among us. Uh, I have some news I need to share with you, and it's probably not news for maybe some of you have heard it already, but my son Daniel and daughter-in-law Amanda are moving to Florida, and they'll actually uh, be moving there this next week. This is the last Sunday service. we actually be praying over them during Tuesday night for intercessory prayer, so if you want to come, it's at 6 o'clock p.m., we'll be praying over them and sending them off. Uh, feel free to come and join us for that time. But Daniel has accepted a position with Bayside Community Church in Bradenton, Florida, which is a multi-campus church that has about 10,000 members. And he will be the director of media for that organization. So it's a great opportunity, and we're excited for this opportunity for our son and daughter-in-law, Amanda, as they move south. So I guess we'll have another place to visit when we go to Florida, right? Another place to stay. But, so we appreciate what they've done here. Uh, they truly have servants' hearts. And it's exciting to see your children follow the plan of God for their lives and the purpose of God for their lives. And, and we see them doing that. And that's exciting for us. And so now today, as you have heard, we're beginning a brand new series on core values, and we've entitled this Origins. And actually, uh, we'll be looking at a different core value of refuge over the next 12 weeks. We have actually 12 that define how we do life together as a church, and how we connect as a church, how we serve uh, the community, how we reach out, and how we interact one with another. And so that's important to understand uh, the core value. I just wanted to go back a couple months, a few months. Beginning of this year, we relaunched the church with a name change. Uh, for 30 years, the name of this church was Good News Fellowship, which was a great church and great name. We were able to accomplish much to impact the kingdom of God. Uh, here in our com own community as well as abroad in Africa with our missions outreach and other uh, outreaches that we've served our community with right here at home. But during a time of prayer, the Lord put upon our hearts and, and really spoke very clearly 
that we were to have a new name. And so on January 25th of this year, we officially changed our name to Refuge. And so this is an exciting venture. And, and I just wanted to, to read the word to you that God had given to us when we were on prayer, in prayer, on a prayer and fast. A new name for a new season as you enter a new year. The new name will launch you into ministry that will engage the heavenlies and bring in a mighty harvest into my kingdom. The hurting, the hungry, the destitute, the wealthy and affluent will come to witness and experience what I'm doing in your midst. What I'm doing will not be contained within the four walls. And, and one thing, when you look at the, uh, the logo of refuge, it's not a box. And, and this actually symbolizes a box opening up, breaking outside the four walls of just what would limit, uh, be limited within a box. And so I believe that, uh, and as, as we, I'm going to share a scripture with you, Isaiah 62, verse 2, because we see significance in a name change. It says, the Gentiles will see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. And I believe that the Lord determined this name for us as we've sought him through guidance. There's a new anointing that comes with a new name, a new identity, such as in the marriage. A woman takes on the name of her husband that gives that couple together a new identity. In fact, we see that throughout Scripture where God gave people a new name. He gave and established a new name for a new season really to establish his purpose. And as we look at origins, this, the title of this series, an origin actually speaks of the place of beginning. And if you've ever been at a place in your life, uh, sometimes you start over. Sometimes there's a new beginning. Sometimes there's a fresh start. And God gives us these opportunities throughout our life, depending on what we're going through, depending on what we're facing. And, and we see that an origin is the point or the place where something begins. It's the source or cause of something. And so refuge is really a restart with a fresh vision, with the same people, making room for more, obviously. So it's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. And so as we begin to explore these core values, I believe it's important for you to, to embrace with your heart what God has called us to be as a church. Core values, we realize, are guiding principles that dictate behavior and actions, how we act, how we behave. And you need to behave yourselves, right? Our core values can help people know what is right and what is wrong, right from wrong. And actually, they will help an organization to determine if they're on the right path. And if they're fulfilling the mission and reaching their goals, that's the reason that organizations today have core values. We see that more. You look at companies, you look online, and, and you usually find a spot that highlights their core values as a company and as an organization. And uh, you will find that most successful companies have these core values that they live by as a guide, guiding principles. Now, core values are principles that guide an organization's internal conduct 
as well as its relationship with the external world. So it's how we relate with each other and how we relate to the world around us. And so uh, how we as a body of believers uh, relate with each other and how we relate to the community is of importance. And that's where we establish core values. Now, the core values at Refuge are based upon biblical principles. And so it always take us back to the Word of God where we find the truth of what God has determined and declared for how we are to live our lives. And so the first core value we're going to be exploring and looking at is we are people who cannot be broken. Wow. Now this is, this, this, we're starting out strong, okay? We can't be broken. Well, there's a foundation for that. There's a belief system behind that because it's not in our own strength. It's not just because of who we are that we cannot be unbroken, but it's because of whose we are. It's who we belong to. It's who we're connected with. I want to direct you to this key scripture for uh, today's message, and that's actually found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 5 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. And we take up in verse 5, it says, For we do not preach ourselves, so this is not really about us, okay? But notice after the comma, but Christ Jesus the Lord is really about him, okay? He's the one we want to uplift. He's the one we want to promote. And ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So God commanded very much, even in the beginning of creation, he said, let there be light, and light came into existence and began to shine. But we see that that light that the scripture verse here is talking about is the light of Christ shining forth affecting the surrounding. And so that light of Christ shines in us, okay? Verse 7, it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, uh, pinch yourself right now, okay? Pinch yourself. Everybody pinch yourself. Okay, you're, you're pinching an earthen vessel. The, the scripture describes your physical body as an earthen vessel because Everything about your physical body comes and originates from the earth, okay? Because it, we're, we're just refined dirt, you know, these, at least these bodies. But we're more than that because God put something inside of us. You were created to hold something. You are a vessel. And the Bible speaks of being a vessel of honor. God wants you to uh, be that vessel of honor where he fills you with himself, Okay? And so, again, let's read in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So there's something God puts in us. He deposits it in us. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So in other words, God wants to demonstrate his power in you in some capacity, okay? Verse 8, this is where we get to the real grind where the tires meet the road 
dealing with life itself and all of its challenges, all of its heartaches, and all of its pains. It says we are hard-pressed on every side. Now, as I read through some of this, I'm going to just stop and pause here for a moment. Uh, when we read through some of this, some of this may just, in fact, describe your life right now, something you're going through, something you're dealing with. And so, really, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, understanding that God sees everything people go through, everything people endure, every hardship, every heartache, every joy, every pleasure, he sees and understands and knows it all. So we see here, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Wow. In other words, we're not totally wiped out. We're not totally done in. Okay? We may go through something that's devastating, but that doesn't mean we're out of the game. That doesn't mean we're defeated. That doesn't mean it's game over. Okay? Um, and that's what it means to be unbroken. No matter what you go through, you're going to still come up. You're going to still rise. You're going to still be victorious. Okay? Verse 10, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. And that's the goal of God, is to manifest his life in us. That's the mystery of the gospel. And that's the, the you know, when we understand true Christianity, it's not a religion. It's a relationship with a God who takes residence within us and lives through our lives. When we make room for him, when we give place to him, there's a joining, there's a union. And so with Christ in you, you cannot be defeated. You cannot fail. Uh, and let me just say, you'll not be a failure because you may fail in life, but that doesn't make you a failure, okay? All right. Now, this passage is talking about something, and we're going to pray right there. I want to pray right there before we go on. Father, we thank you today for the ministry of your word, and I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice, that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would open up their hearts to be able to receive the truth of the gospel, that they'd be able to see things and understand truth in a way to be able to apply it in their life to see the fruit of it. Holy Spirit, guide me and help me to effectively communicate to these people today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, now this passage that we just read is talking about something we possess in our relationship with Jesus that will get us through anything. To get us through anything. It's talking about a people that cannot be broken, okay? In fact, there are too many Christians that still live defeated lives. Uh, they're discouraged, they're defeated, and there's no joy. And it's like, okay, uh, what's with you, you know? If, if Jesus is in you, how come your life is always down in the dumps? And, and, and there seems to just be no victory. Uh, well, that 
should not be the scenario of the believer. But we understand there is an enemy who's trying to keep us from understanding the victory that Jesus has won for us, okay? We live in a world of broken promises, broken dreams, broken relationships, broken marriages, broken homes, and broken lives. There's a lot of things that are broken in our society. Society is breaking down, and, and nobody seems to know how to fix it, right? And in fact, it's interesting because the word broke is even used to describe your economic situation. <laughs> uh, things are just broke in this world. But Jesus came to fix it, okay? And so that we could be unbroken. Yeah, now, I've been sharing with you the last few weeks that I've been speaking this over you as a body of believers you are faith champions. You are the people that God's going to use mightily in the earth. If you're willing, you're going to bring awakening to this generation. You're going to change this world. Every one of you have the potential to bring change into this world, to make it a better place. But see, as, as, as you look within, as you search your heart, you can find that place and the purpose that God's apportioned for you. Don't live your life in a way that you never really discover what God has for you. He has something very, very significant for you. Now, people who cannot be broken, what does this mean for us as a church? Well, I've collected a few statements as I was thinking about this and preparing for this message. And so you can feel free to write these down if you're taking notes. <coughs> all right, what does it mean? It means, first of all, that we are people who are strong in character. We're to be strong in character. If, if you're not going to be broken in life, if we're going to be a people that can't be broken, it's going to require strength of character. And character is, is built and established uh, as we grow in God. See, as, as you grow in your knowledge of the truth, as you grow in your relationship with Christ, your character will be refined, defined, and established. Because I, I tell you, in my walk with God from the time I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at the age of 17, it's almost like God's been peeling layers off and dealing with issues in my life. Thank God he didn't deal with everything all at once but dealing with things that have helped me to grow in character. See, God's interested in your character because your character is a sum total of who you really are. It really is. It also means a people that cannot be broken. What does this mean for the church? It means we are people who are full of hope. There's always an opportunity. It's not being a pessimist. It's being optimistic in your outlook. And I, I'm going to, I could share more about this. You, you hope, ho having hope is so essential because people without hope, there's no future for them. They, they cannot see a future. They're hopeless. They don't see a way out. But God gives us a hope. He gives us a way out. It means that we are people who are full of courage. 
It's interesting, a man by the name of Joshua in the Old Testament, as Moses was getting ready to leave, he assigned Joshua with the duty of taking the people into the promised land. And time and time again, he would encourage and be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. See, we need to encourage each other. That's something that's often lacking among Christians. We're not encouraging each other. Because to encourage someone is simply to give them courage. To encourage them. To build them up. Say, you can make it. See, I tell you, over the years I look back at different individuals. When I thought there's no way I can achieve, there's no way I can succeed, there was somebody that God used in my life that said, you can make it. You can do this. I look at them and say, you think so? You think I can? I said, you can. And, and that was just enough to push me out there to make an attempt. Yeah, I can remember the first time I was given the opportunity to go water skiing. I enjoyed sitting in a boat and watching everybody else take their turn. And I was content. Don't put me on those skis. And one time, the, 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 the boat guy, the driver of the boat said, it's your turn. <laughs> but I can't swim. That's okay. You put this life vest on, you won't sink. It'll keep you afloat. You fall down, you bob right back up. Are you sure? And so, I didn't think so. I, I hesitated. I paused. And then finally, uh, not only was he trying to encourage me, but everybody else in the boat. And we say, okay, it's your turn. You can do this. We'll help you. So, okay. Well, so I put the life vest on. Well, I already had the life vest on. You have to have them in the boat, you know. So I get out there, and sure enough, I'm just floating. Hey, this is cool. I'm not sinking. And I, somebody else got in the water, and they put the skis on me. They gave me the pole. They, I said, okay, when you're ready, you just put your thumbs up, <coughs> put the throttle down, and we're going to take off. And so first time water skiing, I forgot to do one thing. That was to let go of the rope. Because I didn't go up. I just did this like, I was leaning back this way, belly flop forward, and I was being dragged, and, and then it would take me under the water. I w- <laughs> so thank God they stopped the boat. Now, to make a long story short, attempt after attempt after attempt, you know, I, I thank God they were so patient. I could not, for the life of me, get up on those skis. But that boat driver... He was encouraging, and, and, and he just said, you can do it. Let's do it one more time. This time I, I have a good feeling you're going to do it. And so, sure enough, put the throttle on the boat, and I started coming up out of the water. My knees were wobbling, and, and I'm up, and I'm going, and, and I thought, I'm up. Whoa, this is cool. And I had this thrill, this experience in my life that I would have never had unless I was encouraged. And then all of a sudden, something started happening. I, I, I forgot to bend my knees. I think I straightened them out too much. And all of a sudden, I feel myself going backwards. And whew, I fell backwards, and I hit the water. And talk about a splash. They said that the, the water went up 20 feet when I hit that water. 
And it felt like I landed on concrete. I didn't know water could be so hard. So, but that was my experience of encouragement. Just thought, and, uh, now that may not be a life situation necessarily. Maybe that's just a, more of a, uh, just one example. But uh, we need to encourage each other. Uh, I, I can remember teaching and training our kids to ride a bike. And you'd get them out there, get them on the, you'd take the training wheels off. Mackenzie was, she had a hard time. She'd try to go in the garage and put the training wheels back on when mom and dad wasn't looking. <clears throat> so, nope, they're coming off. You know, you're going you're gonna to do this without the training wheels. Please, can I at least have one? <laughs> yeah, well, that wouldn't, you know. So, you get them out there and they would paddle a few feet and fall. Maybe go a little further next time, fall. But the encouragement to say, you can do this. I'm alongside you, pushing you out there. Uh, that's what we need in this life to be able to overcome. Okay? What does it mean? <coughs> people who, are, who cannot be broken, it means that we're people who walk in love no matter what. Sometimes people aren't very lovely, but yet we need to walk in love with them. And, and, that's, and we're going to talk, there's more of a message where we're going to address this core value because we love without an agenda. Uh, it means that we are people who dare to believe the truth. We're people that dare to believe the truth. It also means that we are people who never give up or never give in. See, sometimes you give up too soon. You give in too soon. You throw in the towel. It means that we are people who will resist the devil because when we do, he will flee from us. There is a fighter in each of us, no matter how weak we may feel. First Timothy 6.12 says that we're to fight the good fight of faith. And I like that because a good fight usually is a fight where you win. A bad fight is a fight where you lose. So we are to fight the good fight. That implies that we're going to win this one. Uh, I don't know how many of you had seen the movie Unbroken. It was released about a year ago. And uh, it's a true story. It's very inspirational. And if, if you read the book, if you read this man's life story, it's, it, it's very gripping. It, and it, it really deals with an individual that no matter what he faced, he wouldn't give up. He wouldn't give in. Uh, the, the story is about Louis Zamperini. As, as a boy, he was a boy that would always get in trouble. Uh, but with the help of his older brother, he turns his life around and he channels his energy into running. He was running from the law at one point, but now he's running. And he became an Olympic champion in 1936 Olympics. And when World War II breaks out, he enlists. <coughs> and he's on a, a plane uh, in the Pacific Ocean, and the plane uh, crashes into the water, and he is stranded in a life raft for 47 days. And, and, and there's miracles even in that time for him to survive that ordeal, but he's actually captured by the Japanese, by a U-boat that shows up, and he's taken into a prisoner of war camp, and he becomes a POW, and he is tortured. There's, there's, there's one commander that actually has this like personal veneta against him and is torturing him and torturing him, but yet he doesn't break, he doesn't give up. And later after his release, 
he actually uh, got back home and he, he gets saved at a Billy Graham crusade and he goes back to the commander that tormented him and, and forgives him. And so there's, there's such an amazing story of reconciliation and, and, and God's uh, redemptive plan. And, but this uh, life story is an example of, of somebody who could not be broken. And, and encourage you to, to read that book or, or see that movie if, if you haven't already because it will, ins- it will inspire you, especially in light of what we're talking about with this core value. Now, and, and one statement that's said in the movie that he says, if I can take it, I can make it. If I can take it, I can make it. Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know, we quote this verse, and we say, yeah, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But in the context of where this is written, it's in the conflict of, of whether things are going wrong, whether things are good, or whether things are bad. I can endure all things. I can make it no matter what I'm facing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because it's recognizing who our source of strength is. Amen? All right. And no matter how much we may have failed, we can rise up because of Jesus. See, sometimes we see ourselves as a failure. And, and see, as at Refuge, you know, we need to see that this is a, a place for people who failed, for people who've messed up, where even the world might reject them. And maybe some other ch- churches might reject them, but we embrace them and say, yeah, God has a plan and a purpose for you. You can make it. You can make it in this life. And uh, refuge can be compared to a hospital, people coming and hurting, those who need help, those who need healing. And we've been equipped to help them. Uh, Then those that find help and they get better, then they can begin helping others and join the staff and be part of the team. And then others will come, laborers into the harvest field that will come and assist us in reaching and accomplishing the mission God's given us for our community. I believe that God's called us to be a church that's a resource and equipping ministry where broken lives are made whole through an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so uh, we need to make a determination to be a person who will not be broken. (coughs) Standing united as a family of believers. And let's see what the Bible says about that in Romans chapter 8. We want to look at this passage. In Romans 8, 35 through 38, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, we're not defeated. We're more than conquerors. Verse 38 says, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
See, whether you realize it or not, what you go through in life is what makes you strong. What you go through, what you overcome in life is, is what makes you a champion. God will take your weakness and he will make you strong. He will turn your weakness into strength. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, the scripture says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. It's a gift. We need to receive it because he is the one that's made us more than a conqueror. And, and you've heard me share that illustration maybe in the past that to be more than a conqueror is when you are given the victory crown and you didn't really have to fight somebody else did you fighting for you. And, and Jesus did that for us. He did our fighting for us, and he gives us the victory. This is Muhammad Ali when he'd come home after winning the, the, the prize of the world champion uh, and the trophy and, and the winnings. He brings that home to his wife. Guess what? His wife is more than a conqueror because she didn't have to punch the other guy out to be able to enjoy the trophy and the, the winnings. <coughs> so God gives us victory. What areas of life do you need to conquer? Because the areas he gives us victory would be victory over the flesh for you to conquer temptation. Victory over the devil. He's a real person. He's trying to dominate people by influencing their lives. Victory over fear and anxiety. Uh, that's something that everyone faces at some point in their life, fear and anxiety. Victory over sickness and disease. Victory over poverty and lack. These are all areas where humans are being bombarded with in society today. And Jesus has offered us victory in all of these areas. God's made provision for us to have victory in the areas of contention that we all have to deal with. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. In other words, he's captured our hearts. He's captured us. But he, he didn't capture us to bring us into bondage. He captured us to bring us into freedom. And as we prepare at this time, I, I want to ask this question. Are you at a breaking point? In your life, we understand that Jesus came with the purpose to heal the brokenhearted, the people that are broken, so that he could make them unbroken, so he could make them a people that could no longer be broken. In Luke chapter, actually in Psalms 147 verse 3, the scripture says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He comes for the one who's been devastated in their life, maybe because of sin, maybe because of circumstances, maybe because of what they've gone through in their life. They're left broken. They're left hurting where Jesus came to heal. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it's interesting when Jesus appears on the scene, he goes into the synagogue and he reads from this passage which this passage is talking about him. 
And he officially declares his purpose for that generation of what he came to do. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. See, Jesus came with that message. And we understand that every one of us have been broken by the power of sin. Sin's dominion has ruled, ruled humanity from the time of the fall in the garden. Sin has brought humanity into a place of bondage. But Jesus came to heal that wound, to bring freedom to the oppression of sin and its consequences so that we could be made alive in God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 is a very important truth that we see declared in the Scripture. It says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So here we see a solution. God wants us to be born of him, to have this sort of rebirth, to be refathered in a sense where we're brought into the very family of God. And it comes by this thing called faith. Faith is simply the ability to believe. Faith is trusting God and taking him at his word. And in this particular situation, it's believing in Jesus, that he was sent for you, that he died for your sins. He took the penalty of your sin and its punishment so that you could go free. See, the gospel message is not just for the weak and the broken. It's for everyone. Not everyone thinks that they are weak or broken, but yet without Christ, they really are. We are helpless to overcome our sin apart from Christ. So I want you to take a moment right now because maybe you're here and you say, you know, Pastor, I've been to church before, but I've never really put my faith in Jesus Christ. I've never trusted him <coughs> as my Lord and my Savior. I've never really committed my life to him. You may have acknowledged him. You may even believe in him. But there comes a point where you receive and accept him for who he is. And you allow him to take rule in your life. You allow him to bring his life into yours. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he'll never see the kingdom of heaven. He'll not enter the kingdom of heaven without a new birth, to be born again, to be born of his spirit. Because when Jesus comes inside, he changes us. He changes our heart. He does something so phenomenal, which is to this day the greatest miracle that's ever happened is the life change that Jesus can bring to an individual. 
As you bow your head this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him if you have not. Or maybe you're in a place where you've drifted, you've got off the track, but now you sense, I, I need to get on course, I need to get on track with God again. And you say, Pastor, would you pray for me so that I could be right with God, that I could come into that place where Jesus is truly my Lord, where I can know that my sins are forgiven, that my relationship is made right with him, that I've made my peace with God. To be in right relationship with God is, is the most important thing in this life, to be right with God. I don't want to be on the wrong side. God's a loving God, but yet he's a God that still has to judge sin, and he cannot force himself on those who reject him. He cannot force himself on those who reject him. He won't do that. But he will pour out himself in love on those who accept him. I want to be among those who accept him. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.